Well, friends, good morning and welcome uh, to Auckland EV. My name is Rowan, one of the pastors here, and what a great day it is as we celebrate Christmas. Uh, it's been great to watch the kids play and see the budding acting prowess coming through, but it's even better to be thinking through what Christmas is about and the joy that we have because of Jesus. Christmas is really a time of joy for so many of us. You've got the joy of the holidays, the expectation of gifts, uh, friends and family all gathered together. But this year of all years has been a year of recognizing how feeble we are, hasn't it? Of how simple and small, tiny things make such a difference in the world around us. The fragility of life that we're faced with, the, power, the, the powerlessness that we have to things so tiny like viruses. But today in this Christmas season, we get to celebrate because the one we celebrate is more powerful than any thing or anyone else. He doesn't look powerful, as we've seen in this little play, a baby lying in a manger in some far and distant place to us today. But what I want us to recognize today is that this child, Jesus, is the most powerful, the most relevant, the most important person on the face of the planet for you and for me. And that's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. That's the reason we come together. That's the reason we gather. 206 years ago, a man by the name of Samuel Marsden set foot onto this great land with a deep desire to see the people who lived here experience lasting joy, joy that did not end. He spoke on Christmas Day in 1814, and the words he spoke were those words that Mana just read for us. Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy, that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David was born for you a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. They're great words, and they started more of this country recognizing who Jesus is, so that we might experience lasting joy. And it got me thinking, what would be the best news that we could hear today? What would be the, the best thing that we could hear coming to us, that someone could say to us, that would, that would change everything? All right, kids, it might be that your parents got you asked for for Christmas. You might be like, oh, this is great. I'm going to get that new thing. It'll be awesome. It'll be amazing. It might be the news that that house we wanted is ours or that, that car, that job or that relationship we were trying to go forward in is, is, is working or the kind of stresses that were there are ironed out. <laughs> Maybe for you, it'd be news of a doctor telling you that the illness you've been battling with is over. Or perhaps that a friend or family member has finally come to you and apologized. Or maybe it's Ashley Bloomfield announcing COVID is gone. Maybe that's the best news we could ever have this Christmas. But I'm not going to tell you that Christianity promises all those things, because it doesn't. What it promises is something better, something far than all of that. Now, what could possibly be better than all those things? Getting all my Christmas presents, getting a house, a car, relationships, COVID gone. What could possibly be better? The news that a child was born into the world who would bring joy like no one who had ever come before him. Not because he was a cute and cuddly baby, although most babies are, not all. I remember some of ours, sorry kids, I was like, what is that? <laughs> Took me a while, but you know, it was good. But this was great news of joy because of the joy Jesus brings. So many of the joys that we experience in life are short-lived. They're kind of like fireworks, so we stand back and see a great display in the sky and go, ooh and ah, 
and then kind of walk away at the end of the night going like, oh, well, that was a lot of money got up in spoke. So much of our joy kind of fizzes out. Those presents that we so deeply needed last year, where are they now? In the toy box, often. Or not really with that same amount of joy we had, that the joy fades. Lasting joy is hard to come by. People say we find it in relationships, but even relationships eventually end. Ultimately, the thing that robs us of lasting joy is death, isn't it? Death robs us of lasting joy. All that I do in this life, what does it amount to if in the end I die? The things that I look forward to will come to an end because death seems to win time and time again. Death is the great robber of our joy. Do you know, last year, apparently, Kiwi spent $176 million on cosmetics alone. Well, what's that got to do with death? Well, I take it that cosmetics are about covering up the reality that I'm getting closer to death, right? Isn't that what they're there for? It's to kind of make us look like we're healthy and well, and we spent a lot of money trying to run from death. But what if death didn't have to be our end? What if? What if it was not the end? What if there was life after death? That news that Samuel Marsden spoke when he landed on these shores 206 years ago was news of a real event in history. What was played out on this stage pointed us to something that actually happened. A child was born, but not just any child. Not just a cute baby in a manger. We celebrate Jesus' birth because he is the most influential person in human history. Lots of people celebrate him because he's a good moral teacher, a good person perhaps. But ultimately, when Jesus is introduced to the world stage, he's introduced as a saviour. Luke chapter 2 verse 10, Today in the city of David, a saviour was born for you. Now, we naturally don't like hearing that we need saving. I don't like that. I'm like, I'm fine. What do I need Jesus for? And look, lots of people look at Jesus and kind of celebrate him, thinking he's special, maybe some sort of great teacher. Others praise his moral values. But this Christmas, unless you see Jesus as a saviour, you miss who he is. You miss the greatness of why we celebrate his birth. And you actually miss who you and I are. Let me show you who he is. The Apostle Paul was captured by who Jesus is. And he writes these words in Colossians 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. See, those who knew Jesus, those who lived amongst him and, and, and saw what he did, were convinced he was God. He was their maker. Now, if I came along today and I said to you, guess what, everyone? I'm God. You'd be right to laugh at me. Say, Rowan, you're an idiot. You're not God. You've lost the plot. You've gone cuckoo. But then if I said to the wind and waves, stop, and they did, and I was able to, to heal the sick and give sight to the blind and raise the dead, and you saw people who were, who were dead raised to life, if I told you that I would be killed by Roman soldiers and three days later rise from the dead, and then you saw that happen, my, my take is that that would shape the way you viewed who I was. You might have a different view. Now, friends, I am no God. I can't do any of that. 
But history, both Christian and secular history, points to the fact there was something special about Jesus. You can't get away from that. The whole of our history is shaped around who this man is, our calendar, our date system, what we're celebrating. The holidays we have are literally holy days, celebrating Jesus' birth because people were convinced that he is God. The Apostle Paul continues in verse 17. Jesus is before all things, and by him all things hold together. What he is saying is that this baby would grow up into be this man who was actually God in a body, was God on earth, and through Jesus all things were made, but only made, all things are sustained. He keeps the constants of the world in their place, keeping the world on its axis, keeping our hearts beating and our lungs filling with air. The claim of the Bible is that Jesus sustains you and me, us. No matter what you think of him, he sustains you now. That's the claim. That's who Jesus is. And when he was born, that's why there was good news of great joy. Because in Jesus, we meet our maker. But that's not all Paul says about him. Have a listen to what Jesus came to do in verse 19 of Colossians 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy and faultless and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Here is a man who was so convinced of who Jesus was, it changed everything he did in his life. He told people, and the whole world, people from across the whole globe, shifted to trust that Jesus died in their place. See, if you or I were to come before our Maker, If we were to stand before God on our own two feet, on the basis of how we've acted, we'd quickly realize that we all come up short. All of us need saving. Like the midwife in our Christmas play who thought the baby needed him, she came to recognize the reality that she needed Jesus, not him needing her. So the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There's no one who does what is good, not even one. Friends, those words feel offensive to me. They're not saying that just some of us haven't done good, that there are good people and bad people. No, the claim of the Bible is that all of us have turned our backs on God. When it comes to God, none of us have treated Him as God. We've we've placed ourselves in the position of God. We start to determine what is good or bad, what is right or wrong for ourselves. We set the rules rather than the ruler who made us and sustains us. God's glory is not honored by us. His greatness is not admired. God's power is not praised. His his truth is not sought. His wisdom is not valued. His, His goodness is not savored. His promises are not believed. His commandments are not obeyed. His justice is not respected and his wrath is not feared. 
You think about that there is a God and he made us. We all are responsible to him and none of us, no one in this room, myself included, has treated God as God. What's worse, we've, we've treated ourselves as God. We've pretended to be God, calling the shots in our lives. Therefore, none of us deserve to enjoy the goodness of what God provides, not on our own. And the problem is, he provides life. So the reason Jesus' birth is such good news is that he came to swap places with us. He came to take the penalty we deserve for rejecting God in our place, to die in our place and rise again and offer life to all. The reason Jesus is such good news is because he makes it possible to be in relationship with God and make death not our end. He lived the perfect life. He died in our place and he rose again to show that he is king over all, even death. Colossians 1.21 says this, Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, as expressed in your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless and blameless before him. Friends, there are so many reasons to celebrate Jesus this Christmas. He came to save us from our rebellion against God. He did what we haven't done, what we couldn't do. He treated God as God. He offered us his life. And he offered life beyond death to us. And the life he offers is a life without end. Perfect relationship with the Father. Reconciliation with God. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for those who trust Jesus is their Savior and their King. Because not only is he the Savior, he is the King. And not just some royalty that stands and kind of doesn't care, is distant from the people around but the one who loves his people, who's come and died for them, and the one who will rule the world to come in prosperity and peace in the way that none of us could. And that's why he's called the Messiah, the Christ, because that means promised king. As we reflect this Christmas, of all Christmases, on the reality of Jesus, it's so easy to see that the world around us is broken. There's all sorts of evil, of, of sickness, of pain and grief, frustration and disappointment. But Christmas brings with it a reminder of good news, of great joy. As we celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done, as we celebrate family and friends and relationship and rest, we actually get a taste, if it were, of what is to come. For those who put their trust in Jesus' death in their place and put him as their king, Christmas is full of good news. It is full of great joy. And we get a taste of celebrating this, of what Jesus brings in. Friends, in my opinion, the greatest mistake anyone can make this Christmas is to celebrate Christmas but miss the Christ. It's to celebrate this time of joy and happiness but miss the one who's, bring, who's come to bring ultimate happiness. For while you might have a joyful Christmas this Christmas, you won't experience lasting joy, joy that goes beyond the grave unless you trust the Saviour. And the King. So I want to encourage you this Christmas. Why not spend a moment and reflect on Jesus? Look at the claims. Are they historical? Do they line up? Is this just mere kind of wishing? Or is this actually what went on? Did Jesus really do and say the things the Bible says he said? I want to challenge you. I'm convinced he did. And he is. He is the one who has come to save us. He is the King over all. The question for us this Christmas is, is he your saviour?
Is he your king? Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for the birth of your son, Jesus. For him coming to to live the perfect life, to die in our place and to rise again and offer us life that does not end. We admit that all too often we pretend to be the king of our own lives. We call the shots, we place ourselves ahead of you. We don't treat you as we ought. Please forgive us. Help us to trust Jesus as our saviour and our king. Father, this Christmas we recognize so many across your world are hurting. People in poverty, in sickness, in pain and despair. We pray for marriages and families that they would thrive and be places of joy and life. We pray for those in poverty that you'd help us to love others, to to care for them as you have loved us. We pray for our governments, Lord, and, and leaders. Give them wisdom Help them to to govern justly and fairly and to lead self-sacrificially as Jesus has loved and led us. We pray for those suffering across this globe this Christmas due to coronavirus and its effects, the, the physical and social and mental and economic stresses that people feel. We pray for those in Fiji that are struggling to deal with the carnage of Cyclone Yaza. Throughout everything we face in our world, Lord God, we ask you would make your love known. That this Christmas, people across the globe would pause and see that you are the God who is in control. And while there is all sorts of wrong and and evil and brokenness in the world, that you have stepped in, that you've shown us your love, that Jesus died in our place to offer us the greatest gift we could ever want. Life with you forever. We ask this Christmas, people would see your solution to the brokenness of this world. To come and trust Jesus, finding joy not just in this life, but in the life to come. In his name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.